0: there this is sister service and today we are talking about our ability to believe in the next life and in this life Mm -hmm. Um, choosing to believe is a very very big step that most of us just learn from our childhood, and it's almost like a given. Um, we don't ever even question it really because it's a part of our framework to perceive the world, and often that's started when we are very young, and so we don't really question that until we're older. Some people never question it. Um, but I think there is a stigma that says that if you begin to question that, then you are um, unintelligent or you're making a big deal out of nothing, or maybe you're just looking for a fight. Uh, but that's not true. People generally will eventually come to this position, um, especially if they have really terrible trials and they've never really dove into the depth of their beliefs and why they believe what they believe and how it actually works for them. And so I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about choosing to believe. Now, you might think, how does that have anything to do with me? I totally believe and I don't need to worry about that. Um, but I think that that is a luxury um, that we will soon realize that we can't afford. And why is that? Well, it's because there will be times where you will have moments. You will wonder. You, might, you may even doubt. You will have loved ones guaranteed doubt. Okay. So that's why it's so important to understand why you have chosen to believe what you believe. And it's very interesting. um, if you really dive into why we choose what we believe, um, Mm -hmm. to also realize that there is so much depth to this, that there's no way one podcast could cover it, but it's interesting to think about something called the Dunning Kruger effect. The Dunning-Kruger Effect is basically um, a scientific term for the less you know about a topic, the more you think you know about it. (laughs) And a lot of us suffer from this. We think, well, I know everything there is to know about the gospel. In fact, most of our teenagers would say that they feel like they know the gospel very well. But then what happens, they go through the temple and, um, you know, Mm -hmm. that expectation is blown out of the water and so um for us in as members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and you may not be a member of our church but this is what happens to our youth often and this can happen in various other forms in various other religions get older you see more you read more and now you realize that what was taught to you so firmly um, there is some ambiguity there there is some you know give and take of what we know or what people choose to believe, and they feel confident enough to say it, they know, um, and what is actually provable, um, and so we walk by faith, right? But how do we prove that? And so um, it's 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 very the depth of this. I would, I would, I would really be doing it a disservice if I tried to tell it to you only in a very simplistic way, because. The Dunning-Kruger effect tells me right now that um, I can't even tell you a hundredth part of this. And that's only because I've learned so much that I know, I now know that the depth of this goes far, far, far. In fact, when um, scholars and people who have like PhDs are interviewed, they will, that's one of the first things they'll tell you. I um, and this is part of the Dunning-Kruger effect that the more you know, the more you realize there is. And so you feel like, you know, less. And so they're like, we don't even know a hundredth part. And that's because they finally see the depth of how everything is is interconnected, they see how much knowledge there is, and they can't possibly know all of that in this lifetime. And so that's why you get people who are specializing in certain areas only because they know, they can't possibly know everything. I mean, this is why when you go to a doctor, they're gonna help you with surface level issues, but when you start getting into specific areas, they send you to a specialist, right? Because they can't possibly know everything. Um, I am taken back to the scriptures in, um, John 20, 27, and the risen Lord counsels Thomas to reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, believing, Was he talking about right then? I mean, do you really need to believe if you've got something physical to touch, see, all your senses that you can possibly have here are all being satisfied right then? You don't even need faith at that point because you have certainty. So then why would our Heavenly Father, or why would Jesus Christ say, be not faithless, but believing? It's my personal opinion that this was a future he's referring to that thomas would need to be there to witness and and to tell that witness and to talk to people about that witness but also that he would need to be believing because it's one thing to see something to know it but then to believe in it there's there're there two separate things you know i can see a car that is running but for me to get behind the wheel and actually drive it that's a different thing, isn't it? It's, I now have a believing faith that this car is going to work. I could see it from a distance and tell you, I think it's a good car or whatever, but until I'm willing to get behind the wheel and drive it somewhere, that's a different form of faith. Um, So anyways, I just think of 2 Corinthians 5, 7, when he says, but we walk by faith, not by sight. I love that. Um, so what happens when you encounter, you're not sure. Um, I, I've talked about this before, um, in, in, you know, seminars and things like that, but basically you've got to first establish your base. What do you know for sure? Or you're very, at least confident in, is there a God? Now, if you really don't even know that, you can dig down further and say, do I see order in this universe? Do I see that there is possibly the ability for a divine creator to have created the very intricate little micro, you know, organisms all the way down to their DNA and the very, very perfection of that and how it needed to exactly happen? Is there a design here? Do I see order in some things, especially, um, on, on a way, the way that things are set up as far as, um, you know, it's interesting. Our heavenly father didn't just send us down here and say, Hey, you, you're an individual. You can do everything you need to do in order to get back. No, he sent us down in families. We can't even have children without other people. We need other people for every part of our life. We need them when we're born. We need them, you know, Throughout our whole life, we need other people. It's really interesting concept to think about. Why is it set up that way? So there is so much order. And and if you aren't able to see that order, I really dwell and think about that order. That it is literally, our lives are literally set up that we need other people. It's very, very interesting. Maybe it's because... Each of us have something the others don't have. Maybe it's because we're supposed to work together. Maybe it's supposed to, that it's the best way for us to learn about unity and love. A lot of, lot of really interesting ideas. Now, if you already believe in God, that's really great because that will help you. Establishing what you really and truly believe when you see no more coincidences, but you see an interesting perfection there even during bad and hard times, Um, bad and hard times do happen, but sometimes we see a little more, don't we? So once we have that, we can start to further our knowledge. And what I like to talk about a lot is expanding our expectations. If you have expectations um, that the gospel or that your beliefs are only this, and you've got this little, you've got a little section of your life carved out and it can only fit in this little area. um, I think that it's wise for you to stop setting up camp in places that you may or may not totally understand and expand your expectations. So what do I mean by that? I mean like, I am an author for a non-denominational Christian Facebook group of 300,000 called Follow Jesus Christ. And while I'm in there, sometimes people will say, Hey, if your friend and loved one did not know about Jesus Christ, they are in hell for sure right now. And I love to, I don't want to say mess, but let's just say I love to uh, broaden people's horizons by saying, Hey, what kind of Christ do you believe in? Do you believe in a Christ who could actually show up to the gates of hell, knock them down, and grab out whoever he wanted? do you believe in that strong of a Jesus Christ? Or do you believe in a Jesus Christ who is helpless and oh, well, you didn't hear about him, you're SOL. That is not my belief. I believe that Jesus Christ is so strong. And, um, you know, this is just assuming that you already understand and believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. And if you don't, Go back to that. Find out about his life. Do, does all that he preached add up? You know, because either he was absolutely crazy, or he was absolutely true. And it's going to be one or the it's going to be one or the other. It can't be he was just a prophet and knew a few good things. He, no, <laughs> he said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me." So clearly more than a prophet. Um, But I believe in a strong Christ. I believe in the harrowing of hell as some scholars call it, where after he was crucified, he was then in with the spirits who have already been on this earth and he preached the gospel and he redeemed them. So I believe in a very strong Jesus Christ. And so I am grateful that my expectations um, were not just limited to heaven or hell. I'm grateful that I am willing to entertain other ideas that I don't understand very well and to not make an opinion before that doctrine is solid by many different things. And so that's why I like to use a phrase called epistemic humility. Epistemic humility, well, first of all, the word epistemic, or the study of knowledge through epistemology, is basically how we build all of our knowledge. We use witness testimony, scholarly testimony, ecclesiastical testimony, uh, logic. We also, from our heart, we are going to be using personal revelation, intuition, beauty, and experience to teach us. So, in all of those eight realms, we build what we have as our knowledge. And um, if we are living within epistemic humility, that means we don't yet say something is solid until we have quite a bit of information on that thing being solid you know, there's a lot of speculation on the nature of Heavenly Mother, uh, you know, and I have chosen not to go down some of those rabbit holes because of the idea that I don't have, there isn't enough information on her currently to um, draw a lot of conclusions onto the nature of her role in the universe. And so um, I, I choose to stay epistemically humility, the, in that realm, <laughs> choose to stay humble in that realm. And I think that's something that's wise that we all do. If you don't know, if you do not have conclusive evidence, please don't take, uh, don't set up your camp. You know, we've got people who say, Joseph Smith never actually did polygamy, even though we do have records of him being married to many women. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, but he was married to many women, but he never slept with them. But you cannot prove that. And until you are able to prove that, you need to let that be open. You need to let that be. You will not be able to solve every single problem. You will not be able to solve every single path of ambiguity in front of you where you don't know the way, where you're unsure. You have to be okay in the realm of uncertainty. In the realm of uncertainty, you have a choice. You can either be absolutely faithful You can be apathetic and not care anymore and try to just shove it away, or you can then go into the realm of fear. Because the opposite of uncertainty is certainty. So the opposite of faith could still be certainty. And the opposite of fear can be certainty or doubt, fear and doubt. Um, But they're all within that realm of us where we're at. We don't have a lot of certainty. Um, I had a an amazing experience this last week, where I got to speak with somebody who works in the field of um, helping people through um, basically crisis of their lives, um, uh, suicide and, and all of that. And I, I was chatting with this woman and she said, you know, what happens in the next life? Do you know what happens in the next life? Does anyone on earth know what happens in the next life? And I looked her in the eye and I said, no. And she's like, that's the right answer. We don't know. So sometimes jumping off the boat into suicide may or may not be better, may or may not be saving us from our problems. And I thought that was an interesting perspective that you know she has yet to um, set up camp into what for sure she knows it will be like in the next life. And um, that's a very important thing to be able to um, embrace. Um, one of the, the next things I would definitely want to uh, tell you is the, ugh, this is the one that nobody ever remembers. Be patient in your, in your questioning. If it took you, if I said to you, you will have an answer to the question that you're dealing with right now, and it's a tough question, and I said to you, it's gonna take you six days could you wait? Okay. Maybe you could. What if I told you it was going to take you 6 months? That's a little different. What if I told you it was going to take you 6 years? What if I told you it was going to take 16 years? That is how long some people wait for an answer. An answer that will work for them. And it's very interesting to me that the time frame our heavenly father chooses is not what will placate us immediately, but what will help us in the long run. You know, I have a sister who was told she would be a mother, and it just never was happening. She waited 13 years on the Lord, 13 years, and then finally became a mother. I think that Heavenly Father, I believe he exists and he's going to answer our prayers, but it may not be in the timeline that we demand it to be because we're asking him to move towards us. But the truth is we need to move towards him and we need to be okay and be patient within that realm of waiting. We need to be able to have that faith. We need to keep on trying. And so then the last part of what I'm about to say is engage in the area that you're concerned with, with effort in that area. So you don't say to me, I am having a tough time with my testimony and I'm going to start um, just going to the temple and um, that's how I'm going to solve my testimony issue Um And and I'll say, well, what exactly is your testimony issue? And then that person will say, well, my testimony issue is with Joseph Smith. And I say, that's interesting. So you're saying that by avoiding all of Joseph Smith and getting to know him, you would rather just go to the temple. It's interesting. And it might work for you to do that. But what I'm saying is effort even more than just showing up somewhere and sitting. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but sometimes that's what we do. Sometimes that's all the effort we put in, in our temple attendance is just show up and sit there. And, and that's okay, I guess. But what I'm saying is if you're struggling in a certain area, you dive into that area. You say, I struggle with Joseph Smith. I'm going to read everything he has ever written. He, you, you know, that's one of the things from, um, epistemology. You've got witness testimony, you've got scholarly testimony, but that But that testimony of the witness of the self, the actual person, the closer you are to the event, the closer you are to the person, the greater benefit of the source of truth. You know, what was that person really like? Do I want to interview their cousin or do I want to interview them? And maybe a little bit of both, but I think I'm going to get a better picture when I interview them. I mean, when I... Um, um, there are people who are upset with Christopher Columbus. But when you start to study his words and who he was, um, you get to see a different picture, right? And um, all of a sudden, a different person appears to you. Um, So anyways, I think that we engage in the area we struggle with, with our efforts. And effort is a form of faith. Think about that. You You can say that you have faith all day long. I have faith. I have faith. But it's the effort of that faith that makes it faith. It's an effort. It's not a word we just say. That's why faith is a power, because it's effort. You know? And so to me, that is something that we neglect often, that um, maybe it won't be worth our time, or we're afraid of what we might learn. Fear cannot stop you for your search in belief. And so I'm hoping that you will search out the best resources. Um, I, I am praying that you will take, you know, that you will not, you know, basically be one of those people who take no action but to ask in prayer. I feel like that is, I mean, we have we even have that in Doctrine and Covenants when, um, I want to say it was Hiram Smith was, you know, or was it Joseph Smith? Who just said, "I'm asking about this thing, and it's you've taken, you've done no other thing but to ask, and that's not acceptable." We, I want you to search it out in your mind, right? Um, anyways, so, um, I oh I know what it was uh, with Hiram. It was it was the um, you cannot preach the word until you have received the word, right? So, think about that. If you want to be a great teacher, if you want to go out and preach this gospel, if you want to help people through their um, ability to have and deal with faith doubts, you first have to understand it yourself. And if you are struggling in this realm, give it some effort, give it some time, give it some more of those little daily affirmations. Write things down, listen with patience and, um, attend some really great events at the end of March. I've got a big event to, um, share with everybody, but I'm going to share it with you right now, since I've already been doing that on my Facebook page. Um, we have what's called the uplift gathering, April 3rd at 5 PM at the multi stake building in Provo. And we've got amazing people who will be there. We've got, uh, Fiona Givens, um, Joe Tippetts. We've got Steven C Harper, um, Ben Spackman, um just Kimberly Teeter. Uh we have so many people that are gonna be there. Bruce and Marie C. Hafen are even gonna show up. Um, it's gonna be an amazing event and I think you're gonna to wanna to be there for that. It's up in Provo during um, you know, during conference time, right? So April third at five PM multi um multi stake building in Provo. And you should be able to Google that. that- You can get tickets by contacting me, um, or you can just show up too. There's plenty of space. So I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, and um, I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.